Hello and welcome to From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. My name is John McDonald. This episode features a special guest from Helijet International. The organization is the world's largest scheduled helicopter airline and has recently announced a new fixed-wing charter service expansion. We talk about exciting developments in sustainable air transport, leadership lessons, and a whole lot more. Our conversation starts now. So uh, my name is Danny Sittenham, and I am uh, uh, president and CBW. Uh, I use CBW because that stands for Chief Bottle Washer. Um, <laughs> so I've been uh, with Helijet now for a while, coming up on 35 years. Um, the company today is basically got four business units, if I can put it that way. Uh, and I think most people know Helijet primarily here in the localized area for our scheduled air service between Vancouver, Victoria and Vancouver, Nanaimo. And that continues to be, certainly was, certainly pre-COVID, the, the primary business unit, the largest business unit. It holds the, the largest audience as far as travelers and has the largest amount of employees that are dedicated to the, uh, to the airline side. But that's one of four. The other business unit uh, that is fairly uh, robust is our Air Medical Services Division where we uh, hold numerous contracts with the BC Emergency Health Services, providing dedicated air medical helicopters uh, throughout the province of BC. Um, and we've been doing that now for over 21 years. We've held contracts with the uh, Ministry of, under the Ministry of Health for the province of British Columbia. And that's a very rewarding type uh, work, of course. You know, you're basically out there saving lives and, uh, and, and helping people that uh, are in in a difficult situation. So it's a very rewarding for the pilots and the people that work in that area. Um, our third uh, business unit is just general charters. Uh, we have fixed and rotary wing aircraft, fixed, uh, fixed wing and helicopters within the general charters. And um, we operate primarily up north is our charter division, which is um, supporting uh, seasonally the big fishing lodges up in the North Coast and in Haida Gwaii. Uh, and then we do general charters uh, for numerous clients, private sector, public sector, mostly uh, resource-based clients and so forth. And then the fourth arm of Helijet is the heliport management and operations arm, where we manage and operate uh, the heliports that Helijet uses to go back and forth between Vancouver, Victoria and Nanaimo. And uh, we basically lease the properties from the port authorities on the waterfront. We have our own infrastructure there, passenger terminal buildings, fuel supply, storage, and so forth. And basically uh, uh, have these heliports licensed under Transport Canada. So there, there are many airports for all intents and purposes. And it's quite a complex uh, matrix of managing these, uh, these facilities because there's a lot of regulatory requirement and oversight in, in managing that. So that would be the four, four business units, John, that, uh, that uh, fold into Helijet uh, International. Awesome. So I want to ask you a little bit about the chartered air service. Can you kind of walk me through just the, the thought process behind kind of bringing that, that through and maybe what it looks like now compared to what it was beforehand? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, so we've always had uh, um, you know, a few fixed wing aircraft under our fixed wing licensing authority. Uh, you know, years and years ago, we actually operated um, larger fixed-wing aircraft, 19-seat capacity, like the Beach 1900, and we actually ran scheduled service. You may recall, years and years ago, we, we used to run scheduled service from Campbell River to Victoria 
down to Seattle and we were flying under the Alaska Airlines banner. Uh, we were a feed carrier for Alaska Airlines at that time, um, running scheduled service. Um, over time, you know, the economics weren't working well. Uh, things had changed in Alaska. I mean, it, it didn't really fit our business model nor theirs. So we, we bowed out of it. While we were doing that, we also had um, other aircraft that we were under contract with, uh, again, air medical contracts with our Lear jets. We had two uh, business jets that were configured with air medical uh, uh, installations and we had contracts with the government of BC and also with certain private sector groups. We kind of pulled away from the fixed wing side and just focused on the helicopter side more and more so because our, our rotary was growing and we were finding that we were diluting ourselves maybe a little too much. Um, as much as they're all aircraft, sometimes you get this focused on, uh, you know, spending enough time with one and versus the other. So we, we let go of the fixed wing, but we didn't really let, we just basically went into dormancy with the fixed wing for a bit. And then COVID came along and interesting enough, um, people wanted to travel over time in a more bubbled environment and didn't want to fly commercially as you, you may have seen which, you know, a few of our clients approached us and said, well, sure would be nice if you had that aircraft running again, uh, because we would use it because we'd rather fly on a private side as opposed to in a commercial uh, uh, air carrier. So we brought the aircraft back out and have just recently uh, started promoting it and bringing it back to certain clients uh, along uh, the British Columbia coast primarily. So it's, it's mostly servicing a few clients that need to travel back and forth, such as Vancouver Prince Rupert or Vancouver Terrace. It's mostly uh, servicing the resource industry, um, executives or, or engineers that need to move back and forth in real time uh, that can't quite rely on the airlines uh, and need uh, a little more efficiency by not having to go through all of the uh, formalities of going through airports and uh, clearances and so forth. So we're, we're making a go of it again with our fixed wing side. As you kind of look to the future, you know, when we're, we're in, you know, in the, the throes of recovery mode, um, what did the next sort of six months, maybe to a year, year and a half look like for you? Yeah, I would say in the short term and in short term being say, uh, you know, in the next six to 12 months, 18 months, we're going to kind of just hold, uh, you know, we've got a lot of rebuilding to do, uh, you know, uh, definitely um, the last 18 months have been extremely challenging, you know, and certainly on the airline side of the business unit. And we've got a lot of rebuilding there and uh, need to uh, make certain that we can provide the service and, and see that customer base rebuild, um, you know, and that government uh, client come back to us. So uh, we'll be just holding it down before we look at any expansion opportunities. I think what's interesting beyond 18 months, say out to three years, is uh, there's a major disruption that's coming in aviation in general, John, and that is new technologies that are coming out that are being developed. So we're taking a, a very strong position on more sustainable technologies that are being developed by large manufacturers. So um, the electric helicopter is coming or the hydrogen fueled helicopter is coming and, and hydrogen is, is, is a, uh, you know, a power uh, a source that would uh, drive an aircraft. And uh, there, there's a lot of that uh, being uh, 
um, are indeed right now in uh, throughout the world, um, you know, uh, above and beyond electrics, you know, because even electrics has their limits too, you know, and how much you're taking off the grid, uh, you know, how much battery can you really, uh, um, uh, you know, the, the, the battery weight versus the payload of the aircraft is still an issue that's being worked out, you know, where there, there isn't really the efficiencies yet on payload because you're carrying too much battery weight on it. And, uh, you know, the charging uh, uh, intervals are still too short for long haul type of travel that we want to do, even with a helicopter. Uh, hydrogen seems to alleviate that concern and those two issues, weight and uh, uh, range. Wow. So that's why it's being uh, looked at as a, as a serious contender. Okay. Awesome. Well, very cool. Exciting mm. to hear that. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about your personal background. I kind of did some reading about um, about you online, uh, what was available. Mm. Um, just, you know, your aviation start back in, in 1977. But can you walk me through just yeah. kind of your early journey in there and how your decision to become an entrepreneur uh, mm. sort of to evolve there? Yeah, sure, John. Um, well, I received my helicopter pilot's license when I was uh, just turning 18. Uh, right here in Pitt Meadows, actually, just locally. Um, and back then, uh, you know, Northern Canada was just really opening up and the helicopter was really coming into its own. It became a very uh, important tool for, for the resource industry to move crews, move equipment and so forth as uh, the North was opening up. So as soon as I got my license, I got a job uh, pretty well the same day. And as green as I was, I was up in, uh, you know, uh, living in Mayo, Yukon, and cutting my teeth there, uh, building up my flight hours and so forth. And it was a great experience. Um, although I always had an itch, uh, even though flying, I always wanted to try to do something on my own at some point in time. And, uh, you know, eventually moved, gravitated back down south here, started a small helicopter training school with a former helicopter pilot and partner of mine uh, out in Langley. And uh, again, that was uh, very, uh, very exciting. It was somewhat entrepreneurial, although I was much more interested in commercial operations with helicopters as opposed to flight training. Uh, so my partner took over the school and he went on his way. And I, I decided to you know, continue to work for other helicopter groups and, and then started noodling out some concepts about one day maybe trying something on my own. And it really wasn't, you know, the, the moment was really uh, driving over Lionsgate Bridge with my wife and uh, watching seaplanes going uh, over the Lionsgate Bridge, uh, heading to Victoria. And, I, and my wife looks at me, she says, you know, why don't you guys do it with a helicopter one day? See what, what that would be like. And I said, nah, that, that wouldn't work. And, and, but as I thought about that statement, I said, you know what? What if we could operate a helicopter between downtown Vancouver and downtown Victoria? And, you know, knowing the technology was fairly advanced, uh, you know, the aircraft could fly under instrument flight rules. Uh, that way we could extend the business day for the commuter as opposed to being reliant on just day operations or daylight hours. Um, we knew that uh, the ride could be a much more, you know, comfortable ride uh, lifting off in a helicopter uh, versus maybe on inclement days, the weather is pretty tough out here in the West Coast. And, you know, flying on a seaplane is wonderful, but sometimes it could be, you know, uh, a difficult flight depending on the weather conditions. So one thing led to another. And we uh, finally built a bit of a small business plan on the back of a, uh, of a tissue piece of paper 
and uh, I convinced uh, the, my two good friends who were, had a business going to uh, come up with some, uh, some capital, which they had, and I put in the sweat equity, and we launched uh, HeliJet Airways back in 1986 with one aircraft and 12 people. I'm wondering, as, as your business started from, from kind of that early stage of, you know, being penciled on, on a napkin there, are there a couple of growth moments that you think about, you know, may, perhaps when you started to add the air ambulance service mm-hmm. um, or things, maybe even like uh, concept validation where you're just kind of like you hit a, a certain growth spurt and like, okay, you know, we've got something here. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it, John, uh, there wasn't any real hard strategy on the growth, it, it was organic, um, you know, for the most part, uh, and very um, spontaneous, I'll call it. Uh, and it was driven mostly by the great service that we offer and, and the great service that our people offer. And, and as you know, you know, we don't spend a lot of dollars advertising ourselves, uh, never really have. Uh, we, we got the found that our biggest sales tool is you, the traveler. And if we offer you great service, you're going to tell someone else and someone else and someone else. And sometimes that clicks into another business opportunity. And that's how the growth spurts happened, where some people that we have high regard for that use our services suggested, well, why don't you open up a route to Nanaimo, you know, as well? Because there's probably a market there that would probably look at this service. And it's things like that that gave us a focus to say, hmm, that's interesting. Maybe we will. Uh, these are very credible, loyal uh, clients of ours, and they're making some positive suggestions. So those growth spurts happen because of people that use our service, that have relied on us, have suggested some new ideas that HeliJet should consider. And that came along with the air medical side as well. Saying, well, why don't you offer your services and your expertise to the air medical community? And uh, we said, hmm and started looking at contracts and bidding on business and so forth. And we're successful in receiving some contracts. So that's how it's kind of grown to be. I do want to ask you a little bit about the management side of things for your business as it's grown so significantly, mm-hmm. uh, sort of from the back of that napkin to now to where you are now. Can you talk me through kind of how your approach has changed from managing that team of 12 to, to where you guys are at now? Well, it's, it's, it's certainly a, at, at my corner, it's, it's always very busy. I'm a pretty hands-on manager, so people tell me, uh, sometimes too hands-on. Um, I, uh, I enjoy being engaged with what's happening, uh, you know, at the front line of the company uh, and seeing how the action and interaction happens. But I have to admit, I have a great team of, uh, of leadership involved around me that can do it better than I. Uh, uh, in, in the specialty areas that we have, flight operations, maintenance, uh, you know, customer service, uh, ground handling operations, uh, sales and marketing and so forth. So I leave it up to that leadership team to, to drive a lot of the programs day to day. As much as I'm involved with it, it's more about oversight and making sure that you know, we're all going on the same road here and that the core values are still strong and visible. Uh, and that we make our decisions based on our core values, uh, professionalism, customer service, uh, you know, mutual respect and trust and safety, of course, being the underpinning uh, value that we hold here. Is there a singular leadership lesson that you'd pass on to other leaders? Well, my lesson that has helped me is, 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 is what I do today, which is giving back. 
you know, uh, just give back for those who just have less or are maybe not as able or, or capable uh, of giving the way, say, I can today. And I'm not speaking monetarily or anything. It's just, you know, helping people out. And, and maybe it's me as I'm, you know, uh, aging here, I'm, I'm, I'm very empathetic to the situation around us. You know, uh, you and I go home every night, uh, we know we're going to eat. Uh, and there's many others that don't, you know, uh, every day. And to me, I, I, I take that now and I get humbled with it and saying, look, you know, we need to help each other. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in our backyards here that's just in a real mess. And, and if we can do anything, uh, it's help each other and give back for those who have less. So if you can try to tie that back to our business and, and what we do every day, it's, it's helping your, your, you know, your counterpart. You know, if they need some help, help them out. You know, it's not, hey, this is my job. That's your job stuff. It's just share it. No, it's not on your job title. No, it's not on your letter of offer or whatever, but who cares? You know, if someone needs some help, help them out. And, uh, you know, we'll be a better person for that. I have four quick ones for you to, to finish this up here. Is there a favorite book or podcast that you're reading or listening to right now? Uh, Book-wise, probably the book I pick up a lot, National Geographic, would be my go-to book. Best personal advice you've received? My father was a big mentor uh, for me. And uh, I think I would say um, always look for the good in everyone you meet. App or piece of software you can't live without? Gee, yeah, I'd be a liar if I said I don't have one, but uh, probably the phone, you know, uh, the, the cell phone is probably an important device that I need around me. And I'll probably get nervous if I run out of battery. Favorite restaurant on Vancouver Island? I'm going to say uh, Big Bad John's at the Strathcona Hotel. Thanks for stopping by From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. If you want to learn more about the interviewee, please check the web and social links provided in the video or listening platform description. Please send any feedback to info at businessexaminer.ca with the subject line podcast. We'll see you next week.